This episode, again, is brought by One Piece Work. Uh, big thanks to Dafu. He's you know, given us this really awesome conference space to um, you know, work and have these conversations. Yeah, it's really great space. Feels mm-hmm. really comfortable being here. Mm-hmm. So, so before we um, delve into Principle 2... We're gonna tell a little. Uh, I'm gonna tell a little story that you know we can all relate to. So, you know, imagine you know we all have pets, right? Or you you maybe like a certain animal. So I'm a dog person, but I like cats too. So we'll we'll be a cat. So imagine you're a cat, you know, and you you know you you end up out in the wild. You're not you're not at your home anymore. You're not actually. Um, in this comfortable environment, what's what's your life like? You're out in the woods. You're trying to maybe out on the street, find your next meal, find a warm place to sleep, and it's just constant pressures to to do what to survive. And what does that mean? I mean, we we will survive, but you have to live with this edge at all times in order. To make it for the next day. Yeah, you don't know where your food's coming from. Right. So that's your total focus. So this episode is wired for stress. And we're going to delve into the reasons that this is and why you're not a tabula rasa. You are not a blank slate. Yes, and this is the subject of my research really for the last 25 years or so of studying the brain. And... The really hilarious thing is I was studying addiction. I was studying why people get addicted to alcohol or drugs or, and now my lab studies sugar addiction. Hmm. And then the really hilarious thing is after 25 years of both developing medications and other things, I came to discover that it's actually stress Hmm. is the root cause of all of our addictions. Hmm. And that sounds really simple, doesn't it? So what do we mean by wired for stress? So, for, And what do we mean by stress? Yeah, so stress is such a funny word. And I use stress because it's a word people understand, but really it means fear and trauma and uh, things that we've learned, conditioning, over generations. Whatever that like feeling is, you know, just like when you feel bad and anxious. And, and, and the other funny thing is you don't even know it sometimes. Mm. So the one way you can tell is just your eating habits sometimes can dictate to you that you're stressed or not. Um, and, and there are different types of stress. So if we want to look at stress, there's good stress, right, that gets us here out of bed to do a podcast, mm-hmm. right? 
that's good stress. They call it eustress or getting you to do an exam when you don't feel like it because you're really scared to do it, but you end up doing it. That's fantastic types of stress. But then there's this, then there's this tolerable stress, you know, where you might lose a loved one or you might lose your job or they're things that you can get over. But the kind of stresses we're talking about here are things like you talk about survival or you talk about um, worrying about money or friendships or uh, worrying about little things and it's a constant background noise and we just let it happen and but we don't think there's any consequences to that so that's really what we're talking about is that 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 chronic low level often undetectable until you stop and start to pay attention or become aware it really is just background noise we honestly believe, and I'm totally in this space, or I was totally in this space, that there is no consequences to taking no action on that. So that's the ones we're talking about today. Now, wired for stress means we actually come into this world already somewhat stressed out, which sounds crazy notion, but when you actually understand how the brain is developed over a really long period of time, it makes total sense and it becomes able to respond to stress yes we we have to we have to and same like go back to to the very beginning when stars formed and the bacteria formed and the energy involved in that i can demonstrate to you signaling the way bacteria talk to each other has very similar mechanisms in our brain or in our body our brain our body are one thing really Mm -hmm. Um, then you go to mushrooms, which is a hot topic right? yeah. at the moment, everywhere, for lots of reasons, <laughs> <laughs> which we can talk about on another, in terms of addiction, yeah. um, or opening up your brain. But mushrooms are really interesting, and they signal across a long range, mm-hmm. and they can create a meadow from a rainforest. Mm-hmm. So that kind of long distance signaling happens in our brain too. Now, the reason I bring that up is to demonstrate to you just how old the sort of machinery, the chemistry, the physiology, the biochemistry is inside our brain Mm -hmm. and inside our body. Mm -hmm. So we've taken the best pieces from all of those things over a really long period of time and put it together and we've created a human. And the worst pieces. Well... So they, they could be worse, or, or that's also really powerful, because like, yeah, they keep yeah. you alive, and they mm-hmm. keep you safe, and they, and they make you get here to where you are. Like, think of the chances of you being alive as a person. It's very slim chance, right, mm-hmm. when you look over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one in a billion or more. Yeah, you, um, you reminded me of uh, one of the uh, you know, just like scientists that I really respect is uh, Robert Sapolsky. Yeah. And he's also here at Stanford in the Bay Area. And uh, so his book, uh, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And, you know, we talk about stressors, right? And you normally would think someone is entering into your life and they're bothering you, they're annoying, they're creating some kind of additive effect. But that's not always the case. It can also be a, a subtractive stressor. So what I mean by that is he talks about touch, right? It is inveterate in humans and in most animals is to have physical touch from other beings. 
and usually your species. So if you don't have this like personal connection, the touch, then you get stressed out. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't have enough sun in your life, mm-hmm. then you get stressed out. Sense of community, you stress out because so, these were survival habits. Well, can I just tell you about the touch thing? Mm-hmm. There's been an amazing set of experiments done in that space by uh, Michael Meany. Mm-hmm. And basically what he demonstrated was that if, if, you're, if you don't touch your offspring, and in this case, he was looking at pup, at mothers licking their pups. Mm-hmm. If those pups have not been licked by their mother... Lick your pups. <laughs> then they will not lick their pups. Mm. Now, why I bring that up is because that was me. I had to consciously teach myself to hug my daughter. Mm-hmm. Because back in my generations of history... That didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Just as an example. And it was only because I could consciously learn that through neuroscience and experimentation that I taught myself how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I could upend the genetic lottery on that situation. So this really gets to the heart of principle six as well, because the whole way to mitigate the amount of stress that's wired into your brain is by touch. Mm-hmm. Because it's love and attention that mitigates most things going forward. Mm-hmm. And you demonstrated clearly that you can train your brain. You can you rewire. Can... You are not attuned to something like this. No. And in fact, that's the only control you have. Yeah. So the funny thing is we come into this world all differently wired. Um, some people come in more stressed out than other people. Some people end up growing up in environments that make that stress-induced wiring even worse, Mm -hmm. which then leads to, and it basically is predisposing your brain to lots of mental health problems and addiction and other things later in life. Um, And and because it's so separated in time, we don't see that. We just see the outcomes and we treat them. Mm -hmm. We're never really treating the underlying reason, which is why we're having this podcast, because I think it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And then once you really get a crystal clear understanding of this, then you realize that we can only unpack our story back maybe two generations. Mm -hmm. And we spend a lot of effort and time and energy in that space, trying to understand it so we can move forward. And and there's a lot of value in that. but, But ultimately, ultimately, the only thing you can do is change your brain mm-hmm. going forward mm-hmm. and, and to redesign it retrain it get in control of it get the knowledge and education that you actually can mm-hmm. you know like that's what our podcast is all about rise and shine is is the the whole concept around that is that it all starts from the minute you wake up in the morning mm-hmm. and of course going to bed at night but where where you start that day the tiniest little things you do to get in control of this white noise. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so simple. Mm-hmm. And some of the concepts that we can show you, the things you can do, are simple. It's just really difficult to implement. It's not easy because of our millions of years of conditioning. Mm-hmm. And that's know? why, I, so people listening to the show are probably thinking, okay, Selena, I believe you. So tell me. Give me some ideas on what I can do. 
Absolutely. I mean, I have I have things that have worked for me and uh, I think would probably work more for my generation. And then there's also things that we can talk about. Well, let's start with you. Yeah, so, um, well, I mean, first of all, and kind of relates to something we talked about another one is it's really, really difficult not to look at your phone the first thing you do when you wake up, but it totally, totally changes the way that the rest of your day goes. If you do not respond to messages or go on social media right when you wake up because that's when you know we talk about sleep a lot that's when your brain is like softest so to speak you know, you can the first things you do when you wake up and before you go to sleep are embedded into your brain so that's just one thing that personally for me yeah is i would really and so i would say cross all generations no matter mm-hmm. what the most powerful thing to begin change in a positive direction is setting your brain in a positive place. So as soon as you wake up, here's three simple things. Have a killer morning routine. Mm-hmm. Wake up, take deep breaths. I, I would highly recommend doing this really deep breathing and then breathing out. If you can do it 30 times, great. Um, it gets oxygen into all cells in your body immediately calms the emotional part of the brain because and then right reduces your heart rate simple thing to do great habit to create Mm -hmm. then something else is just to think of two things you're grateful for Mm -hmm. because it immediately gets the brain to think about someone else that's not you Mm -hmm. cuts out the white noise so that just those two simple things will make a huge difference and then we can as we go further in there's lots and lots of things we can do to do that and then we can implement those during the day now this is critical to do because we have to get in control of the white noise because the white noise and the way why I call it wired for stress is because the brain just because its whole job is to keep you alive Mm -hmm. it takes in stress and worry at a much greater rate than love and pleasure Mm. So unless you get in control of that white noise, the white noise rules always. Mm -hmm. And that's why mostly we feel out of control because the brain is in control. Mm. So you just made me think of like, um, so I I was an athlete, still consider myself an athlete. And uh, I, I love being out in a football field, right? But one thing you made me think of is almost like, so if you're, say you're running, right? You have the ball and you're running or you're just sprinting. And it's a beautiful, perfectly groomed field. You can run 10 yards and then really cut in any direction you want, side to side. But if the field's muddy and it's been torn to pieces by, you know, these habits, you know, it's, you've driven these habits into yourself, you can only go straight. You keep following that same path. You can't cut side to side. So what I'm saying there is... When you have this nice playing field and you have, you know, uh, um, positive habits, it allows you to do these different things rather than just getting stuck in that one straight path, you know, that one bad habit and then leads to the next one and the next one and the next one. I like this analogy because what you're describing is like we, we can put the audience in this pathway, right? So you're running in this groove in this football field. Mm-hmm. Now, the more you think about something that's stressful, 
that little thing becomes a big hole and and the groove gets deeper and deeper and deeper so now you're running in a ditch mm-hmm. there's no way you're going to be able to cut out of that ditch now mm-hmm. no, no matter how hard you try so when we what we're trying to do is create a mound so you can be more flexible and go in different directions so when well, it just makes sense right now. You're cutting out the white noise, so now you've got the signal. It, which what, what is the signal? Well, that's how you work out your life path. It, it helps you determine what you're here to do. When you're not trying to satisfy everyone else's image of you, that's when you become you. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that amongst noise. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is you're creating this amazing vision for yourself. Mm. But you have to recognize, and what we're all about is helping people become aware that they are the boss. Right. They are in control of the white noise. And I say that to my daughter, you are in control of your chemicals. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is going on, and she'll describe to me a hundred things, and how can I stop doing that? My number one goal, as she's a teenager, is to say, hey, you are in control yeah. of this. Yeah, and so it's very powerful to watch the change that takes place when people get and for me personally get the knowledge sure. of this. Right, and, and it sounds so kind of crazy, but it's actually the simplest thing in the world. I want to shout out a, a good friend of mine. Her name's Sonia Hunt, and she's a speaker. She's uh, has a really good TED talk, and she mentioned just like visualization, and that. That might sound kind of wacky to some people, but, um, and you know, Jack Nicholas actually has a really great, great quote. Uh, it's like, I never took a good shot before visualizing it first. You know, so every single time he swings his golf club, he has visualized what's going to happen first. And that's why he's the best golfer of all time. Well, you can talk to, you can go to any expert. Uh, any one of them and they'll tell you the same thing so and it's but it's not just enough to visualize mm-hmm. he's also practicing sure every day mm-hmm. either through visualization or through actual getting the motor movements and the sequences mm-hmm. to match the visualization he's he's taking he's using the visualization strategy but he's working towards it on a daily basis mm-hmm. which is exactly what we're talking about you can visualize yourself being happy, healthy, and strong as much as you like, mm-hmm. but you have to do the actions that take you there every day. Mm-hmm. And that's what neuroplasticity is. There is no neuroplasticity without practice and work every day. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard, that's the, this is a simple idea, but this is the, it's not easy to get right. there. But the, you know, again, just to like bring this here. The first step is you have to just like literally, you know, imagine and pretend like you're a child again. Like you had toys and you were creating this universe. You literally just create that universe in your head of what you want to do that day or what you want to accomplish. That's you, you have to do that first. Otherwise, you can't become successful or, or achieve what you want to yeah unless by luck yeah I also think though that no one's been taught that they can be the boss of their brain mm. ever mm-hmm. it's always been outsourced to somebody else 
And I think that's a fundamental first step too, that we need to get it into schools. And I mean, I know we're trying through emotional social learning, but there's no real, and there have been some good curriculum, but in general, I see it even um, still, and yeah, my daughter's 17 in her cohort, a lot of stress and anxiety that's unmitigated, unmanaged. And then they're doing things like to mitigate it themselves. Mm. That may not end up being totally healthy mm-hmm. for some people in the long run. I mean, we all have I been teenagers. things are. <laughs> We've all been teenagers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've been there myself. But, you know, it, it can lead down for some into not so good pathways. But the other thing for me personally, mm-hmm. and, and I've had to learn the hard way, I got really fat and unhealthy in my 40s after raising children and running a big research lab and family and all of the stresses, like Mm -hmm. all of them, you know, like mortgage, you know, all of the things I talk about. I had massive Miggy moments. I was totally unaware of it. I thought I was totally able to take care of business and nothing could ever roll me. Mm -hmm. And then one day I looked down and noticed I'd put on a lot of weight and it was very slow creep Mm -hmm. till the time to one day I was at the stage where I just broke down crying. And I had no idea really that it, how it got there. And I learned that the way I was handling my can handle anything was by eating. Mm-hmm. And it was always at the end of the day, at, you know, get home from work, get the food on the table, have that glass of wine while I was cooking, one becomes two, becomes half a bottle. You know, like that's, and that, that's a huge number of calories right there and I'm not even aware of it, mm-hmm. right? So the outshoot of what we're talking about has serious consequences on our body mm-hmm. and our health. Like I was really unhealthy by the end of all of that. And you think I would know better after studying the brain for so long, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's the sad part. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, I got to understand it and start to change it, which is why I wrote Smashing Mindset. It's um, my personal story, but it's also what I learned about the brain. Mm-hmm. And the really scariest part of all of this, I had to change my whole research focus because I've been developing drugs for 20 years, mm-hmm. believing as a pharmacist that I could actually just understand a neural pathway inside the brain, target it and treat it with a drug. Mm-hmm. And then to understand that I was studying the wrong thing, is really difficult thing to come to yeah. terms with because I had such a fixed, stuck mindset. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that's that's something we, uh, you know, as far as medicine goes, and we won't delve into that too yeah. much. But you people, um, there's significant studies, right, that physiology affects your psychology. So you don't need to just like take a pill. It's just like adopting the posture that you want, you know, like, or, or taking a happy stance, you know, like, I forget where I read this, but if you just like throw your, everyone, if you can, just like throw your arms up like a big Y, like stretch your hands out wide, you like, and then try to feel really sad. Like think about something really sad. It's really hard. It's impossible. Why is that? Oh, it's the dominant position in the animal hierarchy. It's the open position. So now close up your arms. Try and think of something happy. 
<laughs> see what I mean? Really do it. So that's the low position. So we always talk about the animal kingdom, right? How things are um, unfair mm-hmm. in Darwinian genetics. So when you have the open position, you, we don't know exactly in humans. I mean, this is Amy Cuddy's work and many other people that are looking at the hormonal changes related to that. Um, but basically it increases your confidence, but you go and look at any position of any set of animal species and you'll see the ones that are in the open position like that are the dominant ones. Yeah. So just, I mean, that can be a lesson for, for us all. Yeah. I mean, before you walk into your school building, just throw your hands up in well, there. Just when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. Just sets it's the day of, the right way. Yeah. Well, it's, it's setting your brain, your mind. You're, you're getting, what you're actually doing there is you're using your body to control your mind mm-hmm. and vice versa. They're all interconnected. Yeah. And um, the thing that's missing out of most programs I know for people that have eating, you know, either overeat or undereat related to stress is that piece of mindset. Mm-hmm. We're not even aware of our mindset and how that is affecting it. Mm-hmm. So we... This is a little bit of a, a non sequitur, but um, there's a quote that uh, we really wanted to, to go over. It's actually from uh, Michael Pollan, and he, you know, he's a, he's an author. He writes on food and uh, health in general, and so this is the introduction to. Um, it's called an Eater's Manifesto. Eat food, not too much mostly plants that more or less is the short answer to the supposedly incredibly complicated and confusing question of what we humans should eat in order to be maximally healthy and i'll add to do in order to be maximally healthy i know it's so simple but not easy mm-hmm. because of our conditioning mm-hmm. which brings us back to the brain wiring for addiction right that emotional part of the brain that we talked about the limbic system mm-hmm. hardwired how we handle our stress mm-hmm. is what we do to handle it and this is talking about food right we're talking about food here and drinking mm-hmm. those things are hardwired and learnt over generations mm-hmm. so if I've got an example of a friend who whose mother wait for this put chocolate in her milk bottle when she was a baby mm-hmm. that's her go to under stress and so that ended up leading to her being really overweight, mm-hmm. almost obese. And now reducing that is really... So reducing that is really difficult when you get older. Yeah. So I, what he is saying is so true, mm-hmm. but so hard once you've got all the conditioning in there to eat under stress. Right. You have, and that's what we're about, right? Teaching people that you've got to handle the stress first so that you can implement these strategies. Right. To change the way you're eating, or just living, I think that's yeah. what I think your goal with this podcast too is why you were so interested in having a, a young person be the opposite. Yes. Not that you're not young. Fine, but I'm, I'm I'm good. <laughs> you're good. I wouldn't so. I couldn't be here with this podcast unless I've done what I've done. Exactly. So you know that. You know, people like my age and younger and even a little older still are creating who they're going to be for the rest of their lives. Yep, the so, eating habits now, um, because your body can handle 
stuff now Mm -mm. but then later it has a big impact and just like what you do like if you get to the gym now you'll be going to the gym for the rest of your life so just like impart all the best things you can into yourself and that'll be a good life I know that's like a ridiculous thing to say like okay Jeremy stay up there on your pedestal but it's like yeah we all have these bad things that we do we could I have a litany of bad habits but they're I mean you just need to recognize what they are and label them and there's this guy named um, Christopher Germer and I forget the name of his book but uh, and Sharon Salzberg talks about it also labeling and recognizing literally saying them out loud the words when they're happening you know just like uh, I don't want to say stressy yet, but just like agitated. You say it out Irritable. loud. Irritated. You know the biggest one in the Western world? Boredom. Boredom. You can, well, we can't be bored. So boredom is stress. Yeah. But we don't think of it like that. How is it stress? Because we don't know what to do with ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's stress because we don't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. It's all the same thing. There are emotions around the way the brain's been wired mm-hmm. I'm calling it stress but stress means a lot of other things yeah, yeah. and Just boredom's an outcome yeah. we, we, we talk about other things but I, I was just reading recently that boredom's probably one of the biggest problems in the western culture because mm-hmm. we don't have to farm for our food we, um, we've got, we're sitting at desks um, yeah. we're sk- sitting on watching a lot of TV yeah. all of these things the brain's saying I need, I need novelty I'm bored right and so you mentioned this like in a cursed your way the other day what do you think of uh, virtual reality and like what we can do yeah well I think it's got promise because um, now that I know so much about what I've learned over a long time now I know I don't know very much too but the one thing that I recognize very clearly and I'm doing this for myself is that the only uh, control you actually have in your life is the brain you're going to create for yourself mm-hmm. going forward because there's one thing for certain, you cannot change the past. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're control freaks, right? We're trying to control our environment and who we hang out with and all of that kind of thing. But we don't control what's going on inside our brain. Mm-hmm. We just think we're stuck with it and, and that's just the way it is. But it's just not true. So in terms of virtual reality, because the brain's so visual, got this capacity to keep changing and growing, mm-hmm. if you keep practicing things on a daily basis, we don't know where that can go to. But why not create an avatar for yourself of who you'd like to be? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we can't be, you know, the top basketball player because I'm five foot three <laughs> and not six foot seven or whatever. There's some limitations, but in terms of being happy, healthy, and strong, which I think we all deserve to be too, that's achievable by nearly every person on this planet. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like for you? And I like to say, can you, Jeremy, think of an avatar for yourself that you'd like to work towards? Like, Mm -hmm. can you think of what that looks like? Can you use a virtual reality kind of device to create it? Mm -hmm. And will our brain take us there? Mm -hmm. 
once we've got that thing on our head or whatever it is, Google Glass or right. who knows what it's going to come down in a form. But I think it is going to be like that in some sense. And I don't know what that means if that means now we are actually carbon slash silicon. <laughs> right? Because, yeah. you know, there's that conversation going on. Mm-hmm. Are, are we then now making us selves more silicon based? <laughs> Yeah, well, but people talk about that. I know. I think you're right, though. And when people talk about um, virtual reality, it's you think of like games and stuff like that. Of course, that's important and awesome. I got to be a, a, a Jedi the other day. Like that was a cool experience, right? Um, if anyone hasn't tried and has the opportunity, like the HTC Vive, Vive, sorry, is it, it's jarring. But what it can do, you know, outside of entertainment, like you're saying with visualization, you know, just put yourself on a beach, like, and just visualize, you know, that's in artificially doing it, you know, you need to visualize to be happy. Yeah. Well, and for this me, is putting it for you. what I create creating is um, warrior, mm-hmm. warrior woman, resilient. Mm-hmm. And that's what I work towards every day. And by doing a killer morning routine, by trying as hard as I can to take down some of the white noise, I kind of have worked out you know, my blind spots and weaknesses and I'm doubling down on them to train them. Um, and obviously I, I practice a lot of other techniques because I'm really into brain plasticity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I think there's nothing better than training yourself to become the boss of your brain in control in the resilient mode seeing yourself as that person because what an amazing life because we are going to face always every day something that's difficult and as you get older you get more and more because aging itself is difficult in some sense so all sorts of things like that so don't you want the power inside you to be covered in an armor that's inside your head and that's what this is about that's what we're about it's this knowledge is so powerful in my view that this is what we can help people create so it's not some fantasy for me anymore it's reality it's not virtual it's reality so just on you know to close this episode for you know anyone in the audience and you you want to accomplish these things, right? And we're experimenters, you and I. So what we'll say is establish something. Establish a routine in the morning, even if it's 15 minutes, 5 minutes, you know, just reading 20 pages. Even 1 minute. 1 minute. And just having... Just to start, I call it... I mean, you've heard a lot of people talking about this, atomic habits, nano habits. Mm-hmm. It's the tiniest little thing. It's just doing it every day. Mm-hmm before and after bed even if it's just waking up in the morning and looking out the window at a tree start right there thanks